Hello, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Games Parlay, the show where Billy and Matt get together to talk about games, the good, the bad, and the favorites. This week, we're talking about something that is a mutual hobby between the both of us. Uh, and at the time of recording, um, the um, there's an event going on for this particular game moving forward. And today, we're going to be talking about Pokemon video game competitive series. Um, in a week from this recording date is the um, the qualifiers. Um, it's the the not the regional qualifiers, but it's to qualify for the regional qualifiers. <laughs> the pre-qualifiers. Um, yes. We'll, we'll talk more about what kind of all that comes into. But first, say hello to Matt, everybody. Hello. I'm here, too. <laughs> so, How's it going, uh, It's going great. I'm very excited to get to talk about Pokemon with you. Me, too. Uh, as if it's not a thing we do on the daily anyway. Um, but it's fun to do it in this format uh, for everybody else. Completely. Uh, and so, like I said, we're going to be talking about uh, Pokemon VGC, which is the um, video game format for competitive Pokemon. Um, but to kind of lead us into kind of what it takes to be to get into that sort of thing and everything like that, we actually just want to take a little bit of time today to talk about Pokemon Sword and Shield as a whole, because I think it's important to understand kind of what the game has brought to the table and how it lends itself to VGC format. Mm-hmm. Um, and so first, I want to, let's t- talk with about kind of the 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 trope bad things about Pokemon Sword and Shield, and then we'll get into what they did really really well. Um, move, moving into this sounds now, good. So we want the yeah. bad news first, right? Yeah, uh, the one that everybody kind of comes and talks about is Dexit, uh, the removal of a bunch of Pokemon from older games that just didn't make it into Sword and Shield. Um, as somebody who's played every mainline Pokemon game since the beginning, <laughs> um, although I skipped Gen 2 as a kid, I have gone back and played Gen 2. Um, How dare you? Well, I don't know. It's just the one I didn't have. Uh, but I, I have played every mainline Pokemon game since then. Um, and I can say, I barely remember some of the Pokemon in my favorite <laughs> gens. Right. There's um, what, like 900? Yeah, we're coming up on a thousand nearing. Uh, next generation will hit a thousand. Woohoo. Um, so that's, a, that's a lot of Pokemon. It's a lot. Um, and I know that this is a, a big point for people when they, when they talk about Sword and Shield. It's just like, I, I can't do it. I can't do it if there's not every single Pokemon in the game. Um, which, on one hand, I understand. If that's your thing, is transferring all your Pokemon over so that you can continue to have your Pikachu from the Game Boy Color. I mean, that is a neat thing to just suddenly have cut off. And, I, and that is kind of annoying. Um. Especially there, there are some Pokemon missing that, um, you know, I'd really have to dig through the list personally, but I know that there are some missing that I do wish were in the game. I miss not I having Jirachi, honestly. That's a mythical right. one to have. Uh, Celebi's in there. Um, Deoxys. Um, just uh, the legendaries are the ones that come to mind. So, like, you know, I get it. Uh, 
But yeah, how, how do you feel on it, Matt? I know Pokemon has kind of been a... It's a thing that you've played quite a bit, but I don't think... Have you played every game? I have not even close to played every game. Yeah. I okay. played... I yeah. I played Gens 1 through 3 as they came out when I was a kid. And then I never had a DS or a 3DS. So I missed out on Gens 4 through 7, seven. right? Yeah. And then... Um, I got really into Pokemon Go when that first came out, mm-hmm. which who is didn't? exactly who didn't. If we could all go back to that summer, oh my goodness! <laughs> right. Um, but that um, is what I credit to getting me back into the Pokemon series, mm-hmm. because like a year and a half after that, um, Let's Go Pikachu came out, and I got that and played through Kanto again. And then I was excited, and I've been playing Sword and Shield now a ton, obviously. Uh, I think it's my current most played game on my Switch. I believe that. Um, yeah. But for me, I, I don't personally miss a lot of the Pokemon because I don't know most of the Pokemon anymore. <laughs> you don't know most of the Pokemon too, miss. Exactly. Now, there yeah. are some that I... I miss like I know a lot of Johto Pokemon did not make it in, which is my favorite generation. So that makes me a little upset. Um, I'm just kind of quickly scrolling through a list that I found of of stuff. Um, I would really like to have like the Mareep, Fluffy, and Ampharos line in the game, for instance. Um, but in general, for me, I don't, I don't have a super, um hardline opinion on on the dexit yeah yeah I, that's kind of where i'm at too uh as unpopular of an opinion as that may be um but you know moving on from that because that's just an opinion that's just going to be there yep. um, good bad whatever uh, but something that is truly awful in pokemon sword and shield is the terrible online system i don't understand the uh, the online is so bad. I think it's partially Nintendo's fault, if not mostly Nintendo's fault. Um, just because Nintendo doesn't know how to do online uh, to true. save their life. Um, every other company's got it figured out. This is the one thing Nintendo's super bad at. Yep. The um, the UI for the online like menu navigations they don't make a single bit of sense. No. Um. For those that haven't played Sword and Shield uh, and don't know exactly what we're talking about, so you know in most games when you play them, if you want to invite your friends to something, you just go to a button that says invite my friends, and you click on your friend's name, and it sends them an invite. Um, Typically, that's all you do. Um, But for some reason, Pokemon has made it incredibly difficult um, where you have to turn on your online you say the thing you want to do, and then you have to both enter in the same code. Um, it's an eight-digit code, and you, you just have to hope, you know, you, te- you would text each other, but you have to hope that no one else has accidentally used that code. <laughs> Which, if you're thinking to yourself, Billy, that's highly unlikely. Uh, I'm here to tell you that it's not. It's happened. Um, Matt and I, on multiple occasions, have made up random numbers um and have still gotten the wrong people um 
in, in our lobbies. Uh, One time so, I completed a trade with somebody on accident. That was yes. scary. Yes, we were looking for uh, somebody else. And the thing is, it's just like a trainer has been found. And mm-hmm. it doesn't say, you found Matt. <laughs> exactly. Um, so I was trading with this person. They happened to be trading me the same Pokemon that I was hoping to get from my friend, which was also a very weird coincidence. Yes. Um, and so I completed this trade. And my friend texted me, and he was like, hey, are you going to trade? And I was like, what are you talking about? We just did. And then he was like, that was not me. Oh, yeah. That uh, was scary. Yeah. So, you know, it, it, it lends itself to stuff like that. Um, I do kind of like the um, the general idea is that, like, if you just want to battle somebody, you just set up a battle and go. That part's pretty cool. Yes, um, but there's already a thing for that, <laughs> like in the versus menu, uh, where you just click casual battle, right? Um, so it's it's super wonky, it's super weird, um, and sometimes stuff just doesn't show up. <laughs> like you'll both put in the same code, and it'll take forever to actually connect and make sure that you can get on the same game. Right, or if you're trying to find a specific raid den to get to with somebody, that won't yes. show up like in your list of possible matches. Yes. It's happened to me a ton. Mm-hmm. Or even like, you know, I wish I could open it up for friends first to let them come in and then fill with randoms. Um, but Pokemon oh, doesn't allow really you good. to do that. It's either all, you better have a group of four to go in with you, or... Get there fast. Yeah. So... And in my opinion, those are kind of the main quarrels I have with Sword and Shield. I, I don't know if you have any others, Matt. Um, um, nothing substantial or anything that really has to yeah. do with the VGC conversation, yeah. at least. Because most, most people would say the game's too easy. I agree. Um, but I also know that that part of the game is not geared towards me. Um, I, I like just the experience. And so, yes, the game is too easy. Pokemon. Um, that and some people complain about graphics and textures and whatever, but I'm also kind of in the camp where I still play NES retro games, so right. I'm not going to be too harping on that, but just know that those are concerns that people have, those are cons people have, but for the purposes of today, um, we're not really going to dig down too much farther than where we have. Um, here are the great things about Pokemon Sword and Shield, and especially things that come out in the VGC format um, that will make a lot more, a little bit more sense as we kind of get going a little bit more. There are a ton of great Pokemon in this generation. Mm-hmm. Um, the Galarian forms are super cool, and some of them are just straight up hilarious. Uh, Mr. Rhyme is probably one of my favorites in that camp. Mr. Rhyme um, is so goofy. It's a Mr. Mime, but he's Charlie Chaplin. Love it. Uh, he's Ice Psychic, which is hilarious and fun. Um, I'm a fan of Galarian Weezing as well. I like yes. his whole gimmick where what he's actually doing is purifying the air. I think that is hilarious. Mm-hmm. That it's the complete opposite of the previous one. Right. Um, there's that. There's the, the Galarian Rapidash is one of my favorites. Mm-hmm. Um, I And again, that that's that's one that's not in my version. So the first thing I did was like, because my dad bought the other version, and I was like, I need one as soon as you get one. I will trade you whatever you want. I need it. Or it was you. I don't remember. 
I don't remember who got to you first. I don't remember. I knew. I just know, knew that as soon as I saw it, I had to have it because it's psychic fairy and it's adorable. Right. Um, and the, the list goes on and on. There's a ton of amazing, great Pokemon um, in this generation. Um, uh, breeding in this game is so easy and fast. Um, it doesn't take three years to hatch a Pokemon you're after. Um, which is awesome. Um, I agree. The one qualm I have with breeding is egg moves. I still don't understand egg moves super well. <laughs> well, as much as I wish I could tell you that's a Gen 8 thing, that is a Pokemon thing. I know. Uh, forever ago. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. That could have been modified, I feel. Yeah. We'll, we'll get more into that as we kind of talk a little bit more about breeding and what you actually do. Yeah, uh, in that process, but after, I am in agreement there. Uh, the DLC is rad. I don't care what anyone says. The DLC is incredible. Both of them, Isle of Armor and Crown Tundra, are so much fun. They added a bunch of new Pokemon. They added a side quest system to to the Crown Tundra region. Um, man, I'd love to see a full game in that Crown Tundra style. I agree. I think the DLC um, is some of the best design parts of the entire game. Oh, 100%. The way that it feels so open, but at the same time has, like, designated, um, like, sub-areas within the the tundra. It's really well executed, I feel, and I really hope that that is a direction that the whole series is going to go in from now on. Yeah, I I truly believe that it is, um, and I think it's going to be a while before we get another mainline game. I agree. Uh, which is why I think they're doing a lot more. I feel like the the VGC and the, the DLC are, there's a lot more events going on than just go to your store and get a new Pokemon mm-hmm. um, this time around. And I, 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 I like that a lot. And then lastly, the competitive setup is so easy to kind of jump into. Um, this is probably the most accessible uh, Pokemon competitive has been since its inception. Uh, I can't really speak to that necessarily, but I do agree that it is easy. Like, as somebody who was not involved in the Pokemon world for the past, I don't know, <laughs> 10 years? Yeah. No, 15 years? Oh my gosh, I'm old. Um, <laughs> like, it it would made a lot of sense to jump in and get going. Yeah. And there's a lot of help online that you can find too, if you're having questions, which is mm-hmm. great. Yeah. And also to say like in the older games, it was kind of a, um, I don't want to say people were pretentious about it, um, but there was kind of this air of, well, if you know how to, yes, uh, it was kind of this exclusive club. Uh, that you know the top of the top got to be a part of, and we're not really out to help other people, because um, it was either you were doing competitive or you weren't, and that was it. Yeah. Um, which, if you weren't doing competitive, you did not need to do any of the extra stuff that competitive players do, which is mm-hmm. still the case today. Um, That's it for the most part. If you want to just hop online and do some casual battles, yeah, you don't have to do a lot of the extra steps that we'll talk about here in a second. Um, you can just kind of 
get your Pokemon up to a high enough level to fight and pick your favorites and go. Yeah. So that's kind of the the main overview of Sword and Shield. I mean, there's you we could do a whole episode talking about just Sword and Shield as a whole. They could probably be multiple parts even. Um, but for the most part, it, it's a standard Pokemon game with just some really nice quality of life adjustments and uh, some decisions that did make regular Pokemon fans um, a little upset. Um, but I think the trade, personally, the trade off was more than worth it. Um, and we'll go ahead and hop into the next part. So that's Sword and Shield. We're here to talk about now about what VGC actually is. Uh, it stands for Video Game Competitive Series. So there's uh, Pokemon has the Tekken series, the Pokken uh, games, um, which is actually a part of the Players Cup coming up. Um, oh, yeah, right. As well as the trading card game, uh, which is it's actually kind of cool to see that that's still up and going and not just a collector's thing. It's actually a more widespread um, event um if that's something that anybody's interested in you can actually start playing for free uh to my knowledge so um maybe one day we'll cover the trading card game but uh for now we're talking about vgc which is the video game series uh current vgc format is uh double battles so you each there are always two pokemon on each side on the field um at any given time uh which so if you're familiar with games like Pokemon Coliseum, or if you think about the double battles that you normally run into uh, in a lot of these games, it's that style of gameplay. Out of your team of six, you choose four. Uh, so you kind of have this waiting period where um, you see each other's lineups and you pick four. And so you have to try to anticipate what your opponent might pick and try to pick your best four to kind of read against them. And they're doing that to you as well. So it's yes. a lot of mind games. They can be like, oh, I want to bring um, Pikachu. But they might want to bring Onyx. Do I bring Pikachu? Do I think that you're going to bring their Onyx? I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's a big mind game. Uh, most of the Pokemon VGC stuff is mind games and how well you can maneuver them. Um, Pokemon lists change every so often. Uh, so not only is there like a predetermined quote-unquote meta that happens in, in any online game for that matter, uh, sometimes uh, Pokemon will actually respond to the meta and ban some of those Pokemon that are uh, popular. Now, for us in this current series, almost all the Pokemon are allowed with the exception of uh, some choice legendaries. Right. Um, but like for a while there, like, um, Porygon 2 was banned. Um, Incineroar was banned, I think. Venusaur was banned. Venusaur was banned. And so there was a series for a while that were a good amount of Pokemon that were banned. because I they think it was the top banned. 10. Yeah. The top 10 most used mm-hmm. is how they chose it. So that, that kind of stuff happens um, as well. Um, and each Pokemon has to have a unique item. So you can't have a team of six and they all have focus sashes. Um, only one Pokemon can have a focus sash. Only one Pokemon can have a life orb. Um, those kinds of things. So, and for those that don't know, the items are ways that you can augment some of your abilities while you're in battle. So each item has like a specific thing that it can do, and it's another side of the strategy. Um, picking which items will work well with your individual Pokemon and their attacks. So right. it's a really interesting way to kind of um, fine-tune a team. Yeah. 
So that's the the basic overview of the VGC format. Now, here's where, if, if you're not familiar with the VGC format, this is where stuff can kind of get a little bit difficult to kind of understand. So we're going to do our best to, to put it in as simple of terms as possible, because even as we talk about this, Matt and I are not experts. We I can are, only understand simple terms to begin with. So <laughs> we, we are not uh, Wolf Glick, which if you have any interest in VGC, go follow Wolfie, W-O-L-F-E-Y VGC um, on Twitter. He is probably the, he just won Players Cup 2. He's fully qualified to like talk about this. Um, and he's if the best. Something, he's the best. Uh, and if there's something we say that you don't understand, go and you're interested, go check out his stuff. Um, he, he's phenomenal. Um, but anyway, we're going to move into the, the, the great value versions. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and talk about VGC. So, team comps. So, obviously, um, as VGC rolls around, we're looking at the metas of Pokemon. Um, and with even still, Sword, Sword and Shield has what? Seven, 600, 700 Pokemon in it. I do not know. Something crazy. Number. I don't know. It's something crazy. There's a ton of Pokemon. Uh, and so it comes down to, well, which Pokemon are simply bad <laughs> in the VGC format? The answer, sadly, uh, is lots. <laughs> there, there are gonna, like a, a fair amount of them that are just not usable in the VGC format. But on the other side, um, there's a ton of really great Pokemon. There's mm -hmm. a ton of Pokemon that work in the format. Um, and so it kind of comes down to, well... Once you narrow that down, well, how do you pick uh, your team comp? And um, I'm not sure how Matt does it, so I'm going to start by talking about how I do it, and then mm -hmm. Matt chime in with your stuff. Uh, so I always start with type advantage. Um, I look at types, type advantages first. Um, I kind of look at what's popular right now and try to optimize my team around it. So as an example, uh, some of the more popular Pokemon right now include Colossal, who is Fire Rock. Um, yes. With uh, Steam Train, which is an effect that when he gets hit with water, he doubles the speed um, because Wolfie used it in VGC. Incineroar, who is Fire Dark. Um, there's Urshifu, who is either Fighting Dark or is Fighting Water. Um, it comes down to, well, if those three Pokemon are super popular right now, is there a Pokemon that I that will cover my bases as I can as those start to come up? And the answer is yes. Um, for me personally, I'm using a Pokemon called Primarina. It's the uh, starter evolution from Gen Seven, uh, who is Water Fairy type. So I have four times effectiveness against the Colossal. Even if I hit him with a Water move, there's a pretty good chance he will get knocked out. Um, Dealing with Incineroar, I have both of his weaknesses with uh, Primarina. Um, that kind of thing. And so that's where I start uh, when I'm building my team comps. Interesting, because when I build my teams, that is one of the last things that I think about, is like how it matches up against other Pokemon in the meta. Um, so for instance... Um, the thing that I do is I pick one or two Pokemon that I know that I really like 
and or work together really well. So for me, my favorite Pokemon of all time is Bulbasaur. And so because Bulbasaur is a little baby boy, I couldn't bring him. So I use Venusaur, his fully evolved form. Um, and I know that Venusaur works really well with a Pokemon called Torkoal, um, whose ability um, makes the battle arena extra sunny, which makes Venusaur's speed double. So I start with that pair, and I built my team kind of around that as the center of it. Um, and as I'm going, I'll do what Billy talked about, which is like thinking about what Pokemon are strong or weak against others. And I'll use that mentality to kind of fill out the last spot or two on my team. Yeah. And that's one of the things that I, that is so cool about the current format that it's double battles. Um, I don't know how long it's been a thing. I know it was a thing during sun and moon. Um, but the thing about double battles is you get to really think about the synergies between Pokemon pairs. Mm-hmm. Um, and something that he mentioned that I kind of want to explain a little bit, if you haven't really dug down into Pokemon, um, like if you're just a, a casual player and you just kind of play through the game with the Pokemon you like, which is a, a fantastic way to play through the game. But if you're thinking about VGC, you really got to focus on these other aspects. And he mentioned an, an ability. Uh, so one of the things about Pokemon is aside from stats, they also have a set amount of abilities that they can have um, that are passive. Um, and so Venusaur has one called Chlorophyll, where if it's sunny, his speed doubles. Um, Torkoal having the ability to set the stage with sun as soon as it enters the battlefield automatically makes Venusaur twice as fast. Um, and so it's things about these synergies that allow all kinds of crazy combinations to happen. Um, you know, there's some that if you're in a grassy terrain or it will create a grassy terrain. And then some that's like, well, if it's in a grassy terrain, it gets this added bonus. Um, or uh, one of the ones that I like to work with, I use the Galarian Moltres who has an ability called Berserk, where if he drops below half health, his special attack goes up. So there's all kinds of um, abilities here that enhance the, the the Pokemon's ability to be efficient in the format. Um, and so not only are when we're looking at team comps, do we focus on the actual typing of the Pokemon and the moves it can learn, we also want to look for what abilities it can learn, it can have, to try and optimize the effectiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, I think which, that was and it adds a whole other level to it, because sometimes it's like, well... You know, there's some Pokemon where it's like you can almost guarantee they are going to have this ab- this ability on. Uh, but there are some Pokemon where you're like, well, it could be one or the other, um, and I really don't have a great way right now to find out. So it, it's, you know, that's that one step further thing. Mm-hmm. So after we figure out our team comp, uh, typically what comes next, at least for me, is deciding move sets. Yeah, me too. Um, so if you're thinking in Pokemon terms, Pokemon can only learn four attacks. Um, and so you have to think, well, how do I make, what are the attacks that are going to be the most efficient and the most useful for the current Pokemon that I have? And again, Sword and Shield does a really nice job of giving you, if you're playing the game as you're supposed to, you'll 
naturally come across a lot of TMs, uh, and then TRs, which are the more powerful moves that break after you use them. Um, but it's really easy to find. You can look up guides to try and make sure that you can find the ones you're looking for. And you can uh, buy most of the TMs as well, just like in shops around the right, game. Right. So, um, so again, we'll do something similar here where I'll talk about kind of how I go about picking movesets and then go into your kind of thinking. Um, so I do a mix here. Um, I'm kind of more drawn to, if I know this Pokemon is being used in the meta quite a bit, I'll kind of go and see what other people are using on them. Um, but a lot of times what I'm looking for are is a really strong um, stab move, which stab stands for same type, same type attack bonus, uh, which means if you have an ice Pokemon and they use an ice move, it's going to do additional damage because of um, it's the same type as the move. So I try to make sure that I have at least one really powerful um, stab move. Um, and maybe two, if it's like dual type, I want one of each type. Uh, and then a utility move, if I can have one. And then um, either a status move or a move with a secondary effect. Um, and so probably one of the best examples of this is probably my Galarian Moltres, which came with all of these moves. So it's got uh, Fiery Wrath, which hits both Pokemon. It's a special move. And it has a chance to flinch. Um, it's dark type, and so Galarian Moltres is also dark type, so it hits that stab bonus. Hurricane is a move that came with it. It's a high damaging flying type move. I don't use it that often because it's only got a 70% chance to hit. Uh, but when you Dynamax and get max airstream for speed bonus, that comes in handy. So I have there are my two really powerful attacks of each type. Mm -hmm. I have Nasty Plot, which raises my special attack two stages. Um, it makes Galarian Moltres really, really scary. And then my utility move is uh, when I, it's, it's called Sucker Punch. And what it does is if um, a Pokemon were to attack with a damaging move, Sucker Punch will always hit first. Um, and so it guarantees that you will interrupt the target and hit them. And if they're low enough, you can secure the KO before they get a chance to move, no matter how fast anybody is. Uh, and so those. That's kind of an example of kind of how I go about planning each of my Pokemon. Um, and then as well, whether it's an attacking Pokemon or a support Pokemon kind of also lends itself to that. So mm -hmm. a support Pokemon is one that uh, is designed to aid another Pokemon in securing kills, setting up defenses, um, being a distraction, um, lowering stats of another Pokemon. It's one whose primary focus is not damage, but is instead all the other stuff that people tend to ignore when they play regular Pokemon. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Yeah. But uh, uh, what's yeah? What's your process there, Matt? Mine's pretty similar. Um, for the most part, I really just kind of go off of uh, what's it called? It's called Picolytics. Mm -hmm. It's a website Great that resource. I use. Yeah. Um, when you choose a Pokemon. Um, and you go through um, its moveset, what it does is it recommends what moves to put on that Pokemon based off of the percentage of other people that have built teams using that same Pokemon. So I'll go through and I'll usually pick something that's toward the top of that list 
Um, especially since I'm not super great at just coming up with what would be good on my own yet. I kind of have to use my resources in that way to um, build my team. Um, very rarely I'll go off of that list if there is an attack that synergizes well with another Pokemon on my team. Um, but for the most part, I just kind of follow what Picolytics suggests for me to do at the moment. Which, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Picolytics is a phenomenal resource. And it also helps you just to look at it and see, so if I'm going against this type of Pokemon, what moves can I expect them to potentially have? Uh, And most of the time, I mean, that's the reason it's on Picolytics, is you'll find how many people are using that move. Yep, exactly. So there are some moves that kind of become part of a Pokemon standard kit, where if you see that Pokemon out in the battlefield, you have a pretty solid idea of what it will probably have. So I think a good example for me is probably Venusaur. Because with Venusaur, um, his primary um, like role when you fight is he is a heavy damage dealer. So he's going to have primarily all attacking moves. Um, He'll usually have a strong grass-type move because he's a grass-type, and he's also a secondary poison-type, so he'll have a strong poison move. And then also an attack that will cover um, a type that is strong against him. So for my Venusaur, I gave him a ground-type attack for if there's a fire-type Pokemon that decides to try to attack Venusaur. And then... I also have Billy's favorite move, which is Sleep Powder. I hate Sleep Powder. So you know much. you love it. Um, which works really well with his chlorophyll ability, because if he's really fast, he can put another Pokemon to sleep right away, which is very useful. Which pretty much guarantees a turn of being useless. Yep. So. That's why he's the best boy. Yeah. Um, many a game have been decided by sleep powder. Mm-hmm. So, um, but yeah, that's kind of the general idea behind selecting your move set. I think that's probably the part most people are familiar with when it comes to Pokemon, uh, right. in particular, you know, even competitive battling. Um, if they didn't know anything else, they would know how to select a move set. Honestly, when I first played Pokemon, I just gave them all attacking moves of that type no matter what which is which gets you through the game just fine but like you're not going to do any good having a charizard that has four fire type attack Mm -hmm. like it's not going to do anything (laughs) yep i would do something very similar ah lowering defense nah that i'm just gonna hit harder just hit it with a fire blast yeah it's it's yeah um so then we kind of get into items, which we kind of touched on already, are ways you give your Pokemon an item to augment their abilities in battle. Sometimes it's a berry to restore health, to give you another, you know, likely one extra turn on the battlefield than you would normally have. Um, there are items to increase damage while lowering a little bit of health each time it gets used. Um, you could, we could go on and on about every item that's in the list. Um, but again, it's just that one level deeper uh, when it comes to 
developing your Pokemon team. And it's kind of the cherry on top of everything that you have to do in order to get that to work. Right. And there are some items that work really well with some Pokemon and some that, like, are kind of useless. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of search around and see um, what item would work well with what you're trying to accomplish with that specific Pokemon. All right. And lastly, before we kind of get into what the Players' Cup actually is and then kind of what Matt and I are both running right now uh, as we kind of are recording this, uh, is IVs and EVs, which are probably the biggest part, the biggest difference between VG- playing in a VGC setting versus playing normally. Um, everything else you will likely do while you are playing the game. You know, you're worried about your team comps, you're looking at the move sets, you're looking at items. That's normal stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, IVs and EVs are where we start to get, it's the layer people don't want to talk about when you're just playing the game. Uh, and so, um, IVs are the quote-unquote judged stats that you can see from your Pokemon um, boxes. So after you beat the game in Pokemon Sword and Shield, and you go through the Battle Tower, the first time you rank up, you will fight Leon, and afterwards he gives you the ability to judge your Pokemon. Uh, and so these IVs go from 0 to 31. Um, and so for a lot of po- for most Pokemon and most strategies, you want your Pokemon to have best of all your stats. Um, it is the, the numbers that naturally your Pokemon can have. Um, and is, is the easiest one to kind of see and understand how it works. Um, examples of times you would not want a best stat, and the most common one right now is speed. Uh, some people actually want a zero speed so that you can use what's called Trick Room, which makes the slowest Pokemon fast. Uh, and so a lot of people will purposely have slow Pokemon in Trick Room so that they can be the faster Pokemon in on the field. Um, and so that this is where breeding comes in. Uh, so in Pokemon Sword and Shield, Uh, breeding has never been made easier or faster than in this version of the game. So, Pokemon, again, will, in just like the older games, when a Pokemon breeds, they will share stats. Um, But there was an event a while back, and now with Isle of Armor, there's actually a Ditto Island. You can just go catch a Ditto um, and look for one that has anywhere from four to six best stats. Now, if you give the Ditto an Everstone, uh, or sorry, a Destiny Knot, and you give whatever Pokemon you're after an Everstone, what it will do is it will take five of the six stats from the Ditto, and it will keep the ability of the other Pokemon. Uh, so the Destiny Knot keeps the uh, five of the six IVs, and then the Everstone can, passes down the ability. And so you kind of just go on a breeding train until you get the Pokemon you're after. Um, now this sounds like a lot, and it can be. Um, and Matt, I don't know how much you've spent with 
kind of breeding and doing all of that. But it's been a little while because I have a few Pokemon that I've been using off and on. So I haven't been breeding a lot recently. But when I did, um, it's not the process is difficult, like you've said. Um, right. But to get a full team that you want to be bred with the stats that you want can take a little bit of time. Mm-hmm. But it's not difficult. It's just kind of time consuming, which is yeah. part of why the game is my most played game on my Switch. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you can get a no good IV spread uh, with a, if you have a ditto with six best stats or even five, you can chain them to a point where you could probably get a six best IV Pokemon in about 30 minutes. Yeah, that's it. It's pretty accurate. Um, so it, the process really isn't that strenuous. It's just more, uh, it's the part that people don't talk about. It's not mentioned naturally in the game. You just kind of have to know what it is to be able to make the most of it. Right. I think that's kind of the largest barrier to entry with this whole entire process is the fact that so many of these mechanics are not mentioned in the game as you play it. You have to go out and find it on your own, which um, I don't think is inherently a bad thing because, I mean, if you are going to be playing online against people, you have an internet connection. You're able to go and find this information online. Um, but it does take some extra searching on your part, which can be both intimidating and annoying for some people. Yeah. Um, and, and absolutely. Um, now here comes the tricky one. And I'm just going to put this disclaimer out there right now. I'm not the best at this part. <laughs> <laughs> and he's so, better than me at it. So well, here we go. So there are a, a, there is a second set of hidden stats uh, that every Pokemon has. And you've probably heard this before if you've been around the scene long enough. And these are referred to as EVs, which are known as effort values. Now, the way that these actually do exist naturally within the game. Um, you actually gain these levels by battling other Pokemon. Uh, and there is a block of, let's see, 252, 252, 4. That's 508. Um, so you have a total amount of 508 EV points that your Pokemon can get. Um, and there are two ways in order to get EV stats onto your Pokemon. One, find out which Pokemon gives you those effort values. Uh, one of the most well-known ones is Chansey gives health EVs. So the more chances you fight with that Pokemon, the more health EV points your Pokemon will have on them. But there are these vitamins. Um, you've probably seen them in the games. You know, Carbos, Zinc, um, Calcium, Carbos, all those others. Um, that give you those stat bumps. That is giving you EV points. And so each vitamin gives you 10 of that value. So each individual Pokemon has 508 of those points available to them. Um, so if you catch a Pokemon out in the wild, 
the likelihood is they already have effort values attached to them randomly. Um, which is why when you breed Pokemon, that's why people breed Pokemon, aside from Ivies, is to get a fresh set of Eevees. And so Sword and Shield has made it really, really easy. Um, it costs a lot of money, uh, but you can buy these vitamins in bulk to train up your Pokemon to get these extra stats that your Pokemon would normally get naturally by leveling up naturally to level 100. Um, and so, EVs are kind of that... If you, if you know how to uh, do an EV spread on your Pokemon, your Pokemon are going to be naturally better by a small margin, actually by a pretty good amount, than any other Pokemon you encounter that doesn't have EV training. Right, it's one of those things that it makes a pretty big difference the further on in this you get. Yeah. Because, and I, and, I, and I don't know it well enough to be able to tell you in this podcast, like, how, mu- how many specific points this actually gives to each stat. Um, but if, you, if you're thinking, you know, Let's say that you 252 points into one stat, which, by the way, the typical spread that most people use is 252 into one stat, 252 into another, and then four into a remaining third. That's the, the, the standard spread of EVs. And so if you have two Pokemon that are exactly the same, they have the six IV spread, and you have one Pokemon that's EVs are up compared to you, um, if they dump their points into speed and attack, they are going to hit you first and harder. Uh, and a lot of even Pokemon will still knock each other out in one hit, or maybe two, but those extra stats into those points that you didn't put in are now used to overtake you. Um, that's kind of the, the quick and dirty best explanation I can give as to what EV points are. Does that make sense, Matt? Did I do that well I enough? think you did a great job. <laughs> okay. Like I said, I think this one in, in general... Particular... Oh, go ahead. Just like the... I think an important thing to keep in mind is that it just kind of depends. Like as far as how much stat increase EVs give to us with a specific stat, it just kind of depends. Um, I, I know it's different based off of how you train them and then... Um, and what their um, IVs, their individual values were before you started. So, like, it just all depends. It's yeah. If you want to learn more, go watch Wolf Glick's video on it. That's how we learned. Real talk. He's got a series of videos called Pokemon Academy. He's actually got a Discord too. Go hop in his Discord. The the, the staff there are awesome. Um, they've got a ton of people there that love to talk this kind of more in depth Pokemon stuff. Um, as Matt and I are just kind of getting into it more. Uh, probably more so the last couple months. Um, uh, you know, and again, we're trying to go for this, uh, the Players' Cup here. So let's hop into what the Players' Cup process looks like. And then Matt and I are actually going to take a little bit of time and talk about our individual teams and kind of our experiences with them as we've played each other a bajillion times. Yeah. So the Players' Cup, uh, the way it works is first you have to, so on the weekend of January 15th through the 17th, uh, there is an official tourney on Pokemon Sword and Shield. 
which again, by the time this episode goes up, will be passed by this point. Uh, and whenever the episode that goes up after that one, uh, we'll, we'll be sure to give an update on how we did. Um, so the way it works, if you are in North America, Europe, or Latin America, you have to perform in the top 256 people in your region. That's it. You get a max of 15 battles a day. I think it's 15. Um, so each day you do your 15 battles. And then you're ranked accordingly. Uh, if you're in the Oceania region, you have to hit the top 128. Um, they take a smaller group of people out of that region. If you make it in the top 256 uh, by the end of that weekend, you then get to move on to the regional qualifier tournament, which I believe is a single, elimin is a single elimination um, type of deal. If you then make it into the top four, you then participate in the global finals, uh, which is a double elimination bracket. Um, Composed of the top four from each region. Yes. Yeah. So it's it's a pretty big deal. It's kind of it's a hefty process to get through, and you have to stick with the same team all the way through. I believe. So whatever team you sign up with to hit the first tournament qualifier is the team that you are playing with all the way through uh, the tourney. Uh, you cannot make adjustments to move sets. You cannot make adjustments to the EV spread. Um, you actually have to document your stats, move sets, and all of that uh, to the Pokemon team uh, for for you to to stay in it. Now, I can't remember what. There's a guy last time that got disqualified because he, um, yeah, like sent in one thing that was wrong. I think he had an attack that was not what he had listed on his sheet. So. Mm -hmm. We got disqualified. Yeah, so it, it's a pretty crazy uh, process. They they make sure that you know because that's a lot of stuff to keep track of. And sure mm -hmm. enough, like even if you're, you know, you change your attack EV by a couple to boost some stuff in the speed, you know, you 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 changed what you were allowed to use. So again, it's a hefty process, but um, you know, we're excited to give it a go and see how we do. Um. And so, yeah, so that that's basically that. I won't. It, it's just a tourney. Um, it's just three separate tourneys. Um, and if you make it all the way to global finals and you place in the top four, I think, uh, then there's like a um, you actually can go to the physical event that they'll have whenever physical events can happen again. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, that's pretty much that. So now we're going to kind of talk about um, our team comb combinations. Um, that we are currently using. And obviously, again, this is recorded before the event. We might actually change some things after this, but here's what we're running right now and kind of the thought processes behind them. And so, uh, Matt, do you actually want to start this one off? I will. Um, I've alluded to this part already, but I'm running uh, Torkoal and Venusaur together um, because Torkoal's ability sets up the sun, Venusaur's ability doubles his speed in the sun. So they work really well together, plus the fact that they are of, like, opposite type advantages. Um, they work together really well. Um, I'm running a Landorus, who is a ground-flying type. Um, I chose him because he has a, he's the ground type, 
which is an opposite type of Torkoal, and the Flying type that is an opposite type of Venusaur. So those typings um, kind of cover more bases. Um, I have a Regilecki, who I believe is the fastest Pokemon in the format right now. Is that right, Billy? Uh, yes, that would be so. correct. Um, so I have him just because I thought it'd be fun to have a really fast electric type on my team. Um, I use him primarily to set up some defensive walls. He has attacks that make um, opposing attacks weaker to your team. So since he's fast, he can set those up in the very beginning, and that helps to lessen the damage that you're taking. I have the Dark-type Urshifu, who was introduced in the Isle of Armor DLC. Um, I like him because he has a really cool ability that lets him hit Pokemon even if they um, protect from the move, which normally makes it so they don't take any damage. But his ability makes it so he can still hit them through their protective shield. And then... My last bot is still up for debate right now. I've tried a couple of different things. Um, I've tried both a Dracovish and a Tapufini, both of which are water types. Um, but the water type does not really synergize very well with my team because of Torkoal's drought ability. That also makes it so water type attacks do half of the damage than that they normally would. So that ended up not working very well. If I happened to send out Torkoal before them, it made it so they weren't as useful as they should be. So right now I'm playing with um, another Pokemon. I've tried using Togekiss, who I like, but um, there are a lot of Pokemon that are popular right now that are really strong against Togekiss. So right now I'm starting to lean towards using a Clefairy in order to be a support Pokemon. I think yep. that's about it. Yeah, I like that a lot. And something we forgot to mention too when we were talking about breeding, um, we were talking about Togekiss reminded me of it. Um, there are certain moves that can only be learned by breeding. Mm -hmm. um, they're referred to as egg moves. And so it, it makes the breeding process a lot longer when you have to have a Pokemon that only learns the move via the egg, and you have to get the stats that you're looking for. Yes. Uh, and Togekiss is one that has an egg move uh, for a move called Tailwind, uh, and it doubles the speed of your uh, of your team for five turns. Four turns, something like that. I believe it's four. I should know that by this point, uh, considering <laughs> I'm doing a tournament in a week. Right. Um, um, I'm also, I don't have Tailwind on my Togekiss, primarily because right. I didn't understand egg moves when I was first breeding this Togekiss. Um, yeah. I might change that. I don't know. Probably not, to be honest. Because <laughs> I have plenty of speed control on my team already. Yeah, so now, uh, kind of what I'm running with right now, um, I'm saying this right now that I'm going to be making some changes. Um... This team I'm running right right now is actually doing worse uh, than I was last season uh, in the competitive scene. Uh, but this is what I'm rolling with right now as it is. Uh, I've got an NDD uh, who works as my support Pokemon. 
I have uh, Follow Me, which makes the Pokemon attack Indeedy instead of my other Pokemon. Uh, and um, it's got Dazzling Gleam, which will hit both Pokemon if I end up getting taunted or something like that. Um, it's also got Helping Hand if I think my other Pokemon can secure a knockout with Helping Hand. Um, and yeah. It's also got Safeguard. That's kind of a filler move at the moment. It prevents status moves. Um, but it doesn't get priority like Follow Me or Helping Hand does. Uh, and so a Chlorophyll Venusaur will still get to it first. So it's I've got yeah, some he will. work to do there. Yeah. Um, I'm also using Rotom Heat. Uh, I saw Rotom Heat get used quite a bit during the uh, Player's Cup 2. Uh, and it gives me an electric option, which I wasn't using before, and a fire option. Um, so that's why I kind of went with Rotom Heat instead. Um, I'm also considering swapping over to Rotom Wash, which is electric uh, water, um, because of another Pokemon I have in the lineup. Mm -hmm. But Rotom Heat's been working pretty well. Uh, Rotom Heat also uses uh, has Trick and a Flame Orb, and so I can actually take another Pokemon's item and replace it with my Flame Orb, which means I take their item and they get burned at the end of the turn. Uh, which, in case you don't know, burn has a secondary effect to cut physical attack in half. If you're watching this video, um, that's just a straight half cut. Uh, I'm using Urshifu Dark-type as well. Um, he's kind of my weak link at the moment because um, of the amount of fairy types around. Um, being both fighting and Dark-type means he's four times effective or gets four times takes four times damage from a fairy type move um and with tapu fini being water fairy um you run a pretty big risk there um so it can be a little bit difficult but i, I like him a lot too for the same reasons matt described uh pre marina who is water fairy again the starter from gen 7 um i like her a lot um one of the things that i like about her is she's got her ability where um, any sound-based moves become the type of the Pokemon. Uh, and so, uh, is a, I use a Hyper Voice, which is normally a normal-type move, uh, but when Primarina uses it, it becomes Water-type. And so it doesn't risk splitting damage like a normal Attack Everybody move would, um, so it still maintains its damage while still being Water-type. Uh, Galarian Moltres is... Um, a great place, a uh, great Pokemon that I found um, by watching the Players Cup too. Uh, they were running uh, Galarian Moltres with the weakness policy, but I'm choosing to run him with the uh, the Life Orb after watching uh, <laughs> Wolf Glick um, use it. It's, you're going to notice a trend here uh, with a good chunk of this team. Um, but it pumps out a ton of damage. You nasty plot. Uh, turn one with NDD using follow me and then you've got yourself uh, up to special attack uh, and then you add the life orb for extra damage and then if you get knocked below half health uh, then that special attack goes up again and so you can pump out some crazy damage um, if you can pull off that turn one nasty plot and then my final Pokemon is Glastrier um, a new legendary that was added um to the Crown Tundra. Um, it's an ice-type uh, horse Pokemon, and 
Uh, the thing I like about him is even though he's incredibly slow, he is super strong. Um, and I actually have his EV spread in attack and defense um, and HP so that he can withstand a little bit more attack, um, but still pump out a ton of damage. Because no matter how much speed you put into him, he's still going to be the slowest one on the field. Um, and every time he knocks out a Pokemon, uh, his attack goes up. Uh, kind of similar to Moltres Berserk. Uh, but Glassier also has Swords Dance, so if I end up leading with him, I will actually Swords Dance turn one before Dynamaxing uh, to get two stages of attack before um, before we run through with that. And so there you have it. That's what uh, Matt and I are currently running. Um, one of the cool things about doing this together is Matt and I do a lot of different battles together mm -hmm. uh, to try and figure, you know, we poke holes in each other's weaknesses so we can figure out how to patch them up, um, which has been a lot of fun. I would like to say that your team is quite scary against my team. But also yours is scary against mine. We have plenty of things that kind of uh, hit each other pretty hard. It's true. Um, our teams, um, you know, if you're listening and you're like, well, I could see how one could just wreck the other. Um, but this is where that mind game thing truly comes in. Um, and so knowing what the meta is like and knowing what Matt is using, I'd say a good chunk of my losses are because I read the wrong thing um, at the opening hand. <laughs> okay, that's true. Yeah. I, also, I know, I usually know what you think I'm going to do, so I don't do that. Because right. we played against each other so much that we're pretty good at predicting what the other one's going to do. Uh, we, we could go on and on about the VGC format forever. Uh, Matt, do you have anything you want to add for our listeners at home? Um, I would say that if you are at all interested, just give it a shot. Like, I would say that I'm still a fairly casual player in this whole thing. Um, but it's a, it's a fun hobby to pick up. It's, I think, one of the easier competitive video game scenes right now. Um, mm -hmm. due to the fairly low um, barrier to entry when it comes to skill. Um, so I would say if you're at all interested, do some research online. Um, maybe just start building the team. Um, take it into the ranked battle mode and just see how you do, and then adjust from there. Um, that's something that I didn't do a lot. I was a little nervous to play in ranked mode. Um, because I hate to lose. I'm a very <laughs> bad loser. Um, but if you approach it with the mindset that um, you can learn from your mistakes and you can kind of figure out holes in your team that you can fix, then it can be something that it's, it's a fun thing to do in your spare time. I, I, I want to echo that uh, too. That um, Two things, actually. One, if you are super nervous about... Um, putting your own teams out there. Uh, one of the greatest things about Sword and Shield is you can actually rent teams. Oh, yeah, yeah. Good point. Um, go, go take... Um, I actually... I'm running into a lot of people that are running Wolfie's team from last series. Um, yes. And it's been wonderful, because while it's not Wolfie himself, I still get a better taste of what I might be running up against. Um, and also, you can just try stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff online. Uh, people post their teams that you can try like you want to try a rain team or an ice team or um 
anything else like that. There's all kinds of online teams pre-built for you to try uh, and kind of see what you like. Um, and again, if you have a buddy, do that. that. That's how Matt and I got started with this. We were just like, hey, this looks like something easy and fun we can do, at least to get started. And then we just battle each other all the time. It's mm-hmm. um, a lot of fun. We'll try rental teams. Uh, I try a lot of wacky stuff. I was running Ditto <laughs> in my team at one point. That was so annoying. I did um, not like fighting the Ditto. I'm heavily considering putting it back in um, for my sixth. Um, but try stuff. Um, and again, I kind of want to echo the, when you go into a battle, um, it's super easy to kind of fall into this thing of, well, their Pokemon are just better. Um, but if you go into every battle with this, if you're really trying hard to win, but you keep losing, ask yourself, is it because my Pokemon aren't prepared or is it because I made a decision somewhere in the battle that I shouldn't have made? Um, and then if it keeps happening, even though you're making different decisions, that tells you you need to make a change to the team itself mm-hmm. um, rather than it's just a strategical thing. So I, I hope this was helpful. I hope this was fun just to listen to two guys blabber on about. Um, and again, hopefully within a couple of weeks, we'll have an update for you. Hopefully one of us will make the, if not both of us, if both of us made the regional qualifier, that would be super cool. But I would be astounded if I <laughs> But uh, we'll be sure to have an update uh, and just kind of mention it uh, on another episode. But thank you guys for hanging out with us, chilling, listening to us, uh, blabber on about video games. Hey, we have a Twitter as well. If you follow us at Games Parlay Pod, uh, let us know what you think of this episode. If you can uh, have time to leave us a review on uh, whatever format you're listening to us on, it really does help us out a lot. Uh, the more people that hear about us, the more uh, we can kind of do some other fun things and some outreach and that kind of thing. Also, don't let hesitate to let us know what other kind of games you'd like us to talk about. We have a we have a whole list of games that we want to talk about, but we want to know what you'd be interested in hearing about. So, uh, yeah, whether it's games, game mechanics, or uh, franchises, or anything in the gaming world, let us know, and we'll be sure to add it to the list. Uh, and with that. Uh, Keep an eye out on social media for our next episode, and we will see you next time.